It's called DNA. Maybe you've heard of it. That stands for deoxyribonucleic acid. How's Revolution Church doing this morning? Some of you guys are like, eh, a little bit, all right, uh, whatever, whatever. Okay, I'm here. Um, I'm glad that you're here because today's going to be a good day. Amen? Yeah. Amen. I love that song that we just sang. Love that song that we just sang that no matter what happens in our life, no matter how bad things get, no matter how rough things are, no matter what it looks from our perspective, he's in control. He's in control. And if you thank God, amen, Garrett, because... Because we need, we need to find rest in the fact that there's a Savior who not only loves us today, that gives us peace in the midst of all that. Peace. Today what we're talking about is living the vision. We're in this DNA series. It's kind of goofy. we got the Bill Nye video going on. But you know what? DNA, what is it? It's something that's within a person. It's something that, that forms them, that makes them up. It's their makeup. It's who they are. And we've decided to do this series called DNA to kind of tell you what this church is all about. If you're a guest with us today, we want you to know we are pumped up that you're here. Like, you make us smile because it's like, wow, God sent you here to, to come to this daycare center to see us do what our version of what we're going to be doing as a church. And so basically, we're not a church yet. We are inviting you into this place um, to, to help us form a team, to help us launch a church in January. January 12th is our launch day, and uh, we're just forming people that have a heart for people that want to see God do something great in this community and who believe that there's a creator who's given us so much more. So much more. I think there's a, a world out here, a community that we live in, where there's so many people in this area that I think they're hurt. I think they haven't found peace. I think there's frustration. I think there's guilt. I think there's a lot of things that make them believe that this is all there is. And they've never found the life-giving love of Jesus. And I'll just, with all of my heart, and you're going to hear our story today as we um, basically heard, heard from God that we needed to come and plant this church here in McKinney, Texas, you're going to hear the fears that we went through. You're going to hear some of the emotions that were going on inside of, inside of my heart and inside of my head and with my wife Amy and some of the things that have happened. You've picked a great day to be a guest with us because you're going to get to hear a little background about who we are. But then at the end, I hope everybody got one of these. If you didn't, we want to make sure you get one, a little piece of glass. And you're like, How did, why are you giving me glass, man? I got kids with me. You got a piece of glass here that I've handed you. Um, hopefully it won't cut you up or anything. Don't eat it. It looks like crystal meth, but it's not. Um, so don't do that. Um, I, I, yeah, it just does. But just to hold on to it, <laughs> some of y'all already done did it, all right? So it, it is what it is. But I don't want you to do that. We're going to explain what this is all about here towards the end. But man, I am, I'm just so thrilled with what God does. Because I've seen him do some cool things in my life. And to kind of give you a backstory, I'm not from here. If you haven't noticed, I don't have the rich, thick Texas accent, y'all. All right? I don't have all that stuff going on. I'm just this, this white kid from Ohio who's just a, just a 
a regular dude. That's it. I just, I just have a lot of energy. I have a lot of fun. I think that the house of God should not just be a, a lecture ground where we tell you the law of Jesus Christ, but it should be a place where we can come and celebrate and have joy and have some fun with talking about the greatest thing that we could possibly talking about, Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. So that's what we're going to do today. I want to kind of give you a backstory here about how my personality, I like to be comfortable. How many of y'all like to be comfortable? Put them up. Come on now. You like to be comfortable. Now, I like, I like, uh, I don't like this August heat, okay? That's, I'm not comfortable in this, okay? Ohio, we don't have this kind of blazing, like, uh, I don't even know what you call it, shock you to death, um, dehydrated, I can't walk straight, my eyes are like blinking left and right, and I, I, don't, I can't see straight. The heat does something to you. I don't like that. I'm, I'm a good old Ohio boy. I like air conditioning. How many of y'all like air conditioning? Throw them up, all right? Some of y'all like, we need to get the air going a little bit better in this room, right? Because you like air conditioning. I like sitting by the pool, especially here in this Texas weather. How many of y'all like sitting by the pool? How many of y'all like getting in the pool? Come on now. No? All right, all right. Everybody but Alex. I love it. I love getting in the pool. I love just being comfortable. I love watching TV. How many of y'all like watching TV? Now, don't lie. Y'all don't put your hands up, but here's, here's why I know you're lying, because I'm friends with some of y'all on Facebook, and you all have been ranting all week about football, all right? And it's coming up, and Garrett, he's voting for the Vols, and I don't know what's wrong with that, dude. It's not going to happen, but hey, it is what it is. It is what it is. We'll let him think whatever he wants to think, but I like being comfortable. I like relaxing. I like just enjoying life, having a good time. Um, how about this one? How about y'all like just doing nothing? <laughs> Come on now, put them up. Isn't that comfortable when you don't have to do anything? And it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen very often, but th- you get those moments where you're just like, <sighs> I don't have to go anywhere. I don't have to do anything. <laughs> Nobody's bothering me. Everybody's gone. Oh, praise Jesus. Thank you, God. It's just me and you. I'm going to sleep. Now, some of y'all, some of y'all get so comfortable, though, that the problem is you're single, and you don't know why you're single, and it's because you do nothing, all right? You got to do something, because, like, members of the opposite, you know, they, they like when people do stuff. They like, like, seeing you, and so some of you guys that are single today, I'm going to give you some stories about me and kind of some things that happened in my life, and uh, just give you kind of some things that made me uncomfortable, but maybe this would be the reason why um, you're single, okay? I, I dated a girl once that... Um, made me really, really uncomfortable. I've, I've had some good dating stories. How, anybody got some good dating stories? Throw them up, because I want to talk to you and, and get to, I want to hear some of this stuff. I'm going to look around. All right, I got some good ones. I'm going to catch you guys. Dating stories, man. I had this one girl that got really comfortable around me, really comfortable. And when she got really comfortable, it made it really awkward. And it made me super uncomfortable, because this girl specifically, I don't know what it was. She liked to, to belch. And that's just gross, all right? I don't know if you guys do that here in Texas and you don't think anything of it. Where I'm raised and where I'm from, not only do you not belch, but you don't even talk about belching. Like, Mom, if you're listening to this online, I apologize for saying it, but it goes with the story and it goes with the message, all right? So it it has to tie in, but we don't even think about it. That's the most gross thing. And this girl just got comfortable and she was just like, hey, we're buddies and we'd high five. And then all of a sudden she's like, ah, you know, and I'm like, what what is that? Like, I can't even do it very well because I'm so not practiced. I dated another girl um, that I really, I, I was like, hey, yeah, we, we, we're connected here. You know, she likes me. I like her. And, you know, we'll see where this goes, right? Y'all scoping. Some of y'all are scoping in the church. I saw y'all. You go, say, bow your heads and close your eyes. And you're like, mm-hmm. you got your eyes going. You're looking around, seeing who's available and seeing who's looking up at you. Oh, there you are. There you are. All right. You're catching your eye in the middle of the prayer. Oh, we'll talk later. All right. Y'all can do that later. Um, but I... <laughs> 
just make sure you do it later, right, Joe? Um, I had this one girl that uh, she, she, I liked her, she liked me, and as I was trying to go into, to get into her car, she invited, she's going to drive us wherever we were going. There was trash everywhere. Like, I don't know about you, but like McDonald's cups, Wendy's bags, French fries, everywhere in that car. Salt. You sit down and you feel the salt grains all over you. And it was like, I'm trying to get in here. And then, you know, you sit down. And I remember just sitting there. I was like, this is a, this is a mess, dude. And I'm not the cleanest person. I'm not, I'm not like a super, you know, uh, Mr. Clean, whatever. I'm throwing pine salt and mopping the inside of the car. I'm not doing any of that. But for real, this was, this was pretty, this is pretty hardcore. I'm talking like Powerade stickiness on my arm hair. You know what I mean? Like just, just gross. So I had to break up with that because there was no way that that was going to happen. And so I told you guys, some of you guys that are single, go clean your car, man. Go clean your car. That's part of the lesson today is if you're going to attract somebody, you got to, you know, you got to keep yourself up a little bit. You're showing them where you're going. I had another uh, girl that I dated right before I dated Amy. And this one was a funny story because um, basically how many of y'all have tried to break up with somebody and they won't let you break up with them? Come on, put them up. Some of y'all married that person because you couldn't get out of it, right? Like, I can't do anything about it. You're stuck. For me, I, I had this, this, this girl that we were, you know, we were seeing each other. We were talking and whatnot. And I, well, we were kind of talking. The problem, the reason I broke up with her is because she never talked. And I talk way too much. And I would talk, and she wouldn't say anything. And I'm like, okay. This is just awkward. And so I told her, I was like, you know, this is making me uncomfortable. And, you know, I think that we should break up. And she was like, no. <laughs> I was like, yeah, it's not going to work. She's like, no, it'll work. I'm like, no, I'm pretty sure it's not going to work. She said, I said, well, I'm going to go see other people. She goes, no, you're not. Okay, well, what do you do with that? And so I remember thinking to myself, I don't care what this girl's saying. I'm going to go see somebody else. And, and I had met Amy at the same time. I think I told you a little bit of the story a couple of weeks ago about how I met Amy. And uh, I was digging Amy, and I was wanting to be with Amy, but I was with this other girl. And so, you know, I tried to break it off, and she said, you know, well, I drive you to school every day, and, you know, I'm going to pick you up every day for school, and so you're just going to have to get in the car and deal with it. <laughs> I didn't really want to ride the bus, and so I was like, okay, and, but I didn't realize how uncomfortable that would be, um, and she picked me up for about two and a half months, even after I was dating Amy, um, and it was really, really super awkward, and then finally one day, I think she realized, like, yeah, he's really dating somebody else, and uh, she didn't pick me up for school, and I, I missed class, and it was super uncomfortable, though, in that car. Think about the questions that were asked in that car. Who's that person? Why are you talking to them? It was like just drilling me all the time. And I hated it. I hated it. But I tried to break up and I couldn't. That made me super uncomfortable. I don't do well with uncomfortable, do you? I don't do well with uncomfortable. Uncomfortable to me, just ugh, something about it, just I can't deal with it. I want to share with you today. I kind of set that up to kind of share with you about how comfortable I was in Ohio and how uncomfortable I was when I heard what God wanted me to do super comfortable in Ohio. Um, to kind of give you a background, our backstory, we were in Ohio for about six years. I did a children's ministry there six years ago. They hired me on staff to do that. Um, we gathered as many kids as we could. That very first week, we had about 40 kids, and uh, that was a huge deal at that time to have 40 kids, and you know, we were pumped. We were excited. The funny thing about my story, if you're trying to get to know me a little bit, is God always calls me to do stuff that I'm not capable of doing. Church plant, <laughs> here we go. This is just the next phase, the next chapter. He always says, hey, I want you to jump into something that you're really not going to be able to do. And you're going to have to be fully dependent on me. 
And if it's going to work, you're going to have to know that it's me who's coming through to make that happen, and it's not you at all. Those are good times to be in. They really are. I've experienced them several times now in my life, but I got hired to do children's ministry. I was 19 years old, and I was in charge over leaders who had told, they would, the running joke was, Randy, I've been doing children's ministry longer than you've been alive. And it was like, how am I supposed to lead these people who have so much experience? But yet, I was in charge. And I remember we did the craziest stuff in this church that we should have never been allowed to do. It was like super crazy that, that we were doing some of the stuff that we were doing. We saw that children's ministry over the course of a couple of years, it was about three years. Our highest attendance, we had 366 kids that we took to a day camp. It was insane. God had showed up. But I wasn't able. I wasn't really qualified. I wasn't able to really lead these overseeing people and these leaders who really should have been telling me how to do this because they had all the experience in the world. But I got thrown in that situation that God led me to, and God really showed up and blessed as we were just obedient. We lived that vision out. About three years in, I realized, okay, we've taken up every single room in the church outside the main area where the adults are. We, it's kind of like if we filled this whole daycare center up, every single room was filled up, and I felt like God was doing something in my life. And I get, my wife's got very good discernment, and she said, Randy, something's going on with you. What, what is it? And I said, I feel like that maybe I'm supposed to go be a children's pastor somewhere else, or I'm supposed to go be an associate pastor somewhere. I didn't feel called to be the head pastor at that time. I just knew that... My feet were itching to do something. At that same time, we had a transition in our church with some other staff members. Um, my youth pastor that, that I was under, he actually went to plant a church in Colorado. When he did that, we moved a bunch of staff around, and they presented me with the idea of, would you take over a young adult ministry? I've never taught adults. Again, I'm young. I'm what, 23 years old, 22 maybe? And I'm thinking, I don't know what I'm doing. How am I going to be able to do this job? And in our church, we had had kind of like most churches, we were missing the 18 to 30-year-olds. They were just non-existent. They wouldn't come. For whatever reason, it was just not attractive to them. They wouldn't show up. And it was one of those things where I had a heart for that. Because I realized that I was dealing with a lot of volunteers that were in that, you know, 30 and up range. And I thought, where are the 18 to 30-year-olds? It bothered me. And when our pastor said, hey, would you take that responsibility over of leading that class and still maintain doing children's ministry, I said, absolutely. I remember going home and telling Amy, hey, by the way, we're the new young adults uh, pastors here in this class. And she was totally on board because she knew that God was messing with my heart, trying to get me to take another step. He was preparing me for this next thing. Now, again, I never taught adults. So I say yes to this, knowing that God's in it. However, I'm scared. I have no, do no idea what I'm doing. I'm starting next Sunday. <laughs> All I knew is I needed to start recruiting. I need to start telling people, we're going to start this thing. We're going to start doing something here. There's going to be a lot of life going on in the party, and it's going to be exciting. And I remember we, we set one row of chairs up. One row. It was about like this, but it was about with this row connected. There was 15 chairs total in a room about this size. And we said, uh, we're going to start this class. On that day, we were praying, will 15 people show up? We have 15 chairs, 15 people. Let's just deck it out and see what happens. That day, we had 15 people. It was an awesome service. So awesome that the next week, only seven came back, all right? It was so phenomenal. It was amazing. And so I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know what was going to happen. It was like, God, I need you to show up. From that point, um, we ran that class for about three years. Our highest attendance was 172 young adults in that class, and it was a phenomenal experience. We've seen those families come who brought kids, who grew our children's ministry, who then do, did a phenomenal job teaching, leading, and doing phenomenal work for Christ. I'm telling you all this because I want you to know a little bit of our story. 
And then I want you to see how, how crazy it got, because it got absolutely wild, man. We were super comfortable, super comfortable. I had my best friend, his name is Jeff King. So Jeff, you made the tape this week, all right, man? So make sure you listen online, you're in this story. This guy, Jeff, I'll never forget this. This was the time in my life where I would say I understood God, but it clicked. It was a shift in my thinking. It was a shift in who I was as a person. Um, Jeff, Jeff had got hoaxed into coming to Sunday school. And I don't know if y'all uh, remember the old Sunday school model. You did Sunday morning Sunday school. You did worship service. Then you had Sunday night service. Then you had Wednesday. Okay, That's typical to where we were at in Ohio and what we did. Jeff thought he was getting invited to just the Sunday service, like what you guys are at. Just come to the Sunday service. Well, his dad had told him, I want you to come and I want you to, to be here at 10 o'clock. So he shows up at 10 o'clock and he's, he's not knowing what to expect. Maybe you're a guest today and you haven't stepped into church for a while and you don't know what to expect. You came in the daycare and you're going, I really don't know what to expect because this is, what, what is this? And, and he came in and I'll never forget, he told me this story later. I didn't know until later. Him and his dad are in the hallway and he's arguing with his dad. He's mad at him. He's ticked off. And he says, Dad, I can't believe it. I agreed to come to church, but here you are making me come to Sunday school. Are you kidding me? By chance, the grace of God, really, I happened to walk out right at that time. It was kind of like the music had started, but I walked out into that hallway area, and I see this random guy that I've never seen before, and I think to myself, I'm going to go talk to this guy. So I go up, and I'm like, hey, buddy, how are you doing, man? And I you know, real friendly, real probably way too much energy. I'm sure I scared some of you guys today. I apologize, but it's just who I am. I, I, it's just 100 miles an hour, right? I'm talking to him, and I'm excited that he's here, and I'm like, come on in. I'm, I'm the, the, the guy that leads this class, and I want you to hear this. I think today's going to be a life-changing day for you. Uh, he says, all right, I'll be in in one second. So I you know, go back inside. And the end of that story is he gets so ticked at his dad. And he goes, I can't believe it. And he's like swinging at his dad, really, because he's mad that his dad, his name's Kip, did it. His dad is smiling ear to ear, just pumped up that he got him to go and be a part of Sunday school. And he's thinking today's going to be a good day. Well, Jeff comes in with his wife and his kids and he's straggling in. He really doesn't want to be there. He's, it's awkward. He's uncomfortable. We're up there speaking. And it was the, one of the coolest days. God showed me something. The vision that says to see what he sees so we do what he wants us to do. When I clicked in that, and we were up there, it was like God's Holy Spirit showed up. The Holy Spirit of God just was alive in that room that day. Jeff, I'll never forget, that day, him and his wife, they raised their hand, they said, you know what, it's time for us to get our life on track. It's time to realign, because they weren't real far off, but they weren't lined up quite right. So things weren't in order. Jeff made a decision that day to follow Jesus, and the coolest part of this story is that Jeff is following Christ with his life right now. His whole life changed. His whole world changed. Not only was he just faithful to church to say, hey, I'm checking a list, he was active in church. Jeff, Jeff had the, the privilege of pointing other people to who Jesus was. He experienced life change. He worked in children's ministry. He, he ran small groups. He got involved. His whole world changed. He became a real good buddy of mine. I miss that guy to death, man. Love that guy. Great guy. One of the hardest parts about being here is missing Jeff and Jennifer King. They're awesome. Good friends. Stuck by us really through thick and thin. Through the hard times. I miss those guys. But their lives took a totally different course based on just being obedient to God. I was happy where I was. I had people coming up to me 
telling me, hey, Randy, you're going to be the next pastor of this church. All you got to do is wait a few years. We all love you. The kids love you. The teens were, you know, were kids before, and they kept graduating up. They loved us. We loved them. Things were going good. I had a house, very nice house. We remodeled it. It took three years to remodel it. We just kept doing all the work by ourselves, never paying for it. Took all the blood, sweat, and tears in, paid all the money, and then we moved. <laughs> and so it was like, oh, man. And a nice car. I was near my family. Had a lot of friends. Two very successful ministries. On paper, my life looked golden. I had a lot of people vying for my job. I always love to say that, you know, Randy, I just want your job because you look so blessed. And man, I was blessed. I had a paycheck coming in every week. It was solid. It was secure. I didn't have to worry about anything. Knew it was going to be there. Life was good. Life was really good. I was very comfortable. Very comfortable. God began to work on my heart. And what he had for me, I didn't know at the time, was to start a church. All I knew was that he was messing with me. There are hundreds and hundreds of people that came to know Jesus Christ through just ministry. They're just people pouring their lives out. Through people actually living the vision. Seeing what Jesus sees and doing what he wants us to do. I was so happy where I was. Life was really good. I could have stayed there for a long time. But God began to do something in my heart that forever changed everything. He began to give me this, this feeling that something was about to happen. And it bothered me enough to where I didn't know what it was exactly. I just knew God was speaking to me. And it wasn't this audible voice. It wasn't anything like that. It was just literally, I knew God wanted me to do something. Maybe you have some of those feelings too, where you say, you know, I know God wants me to do certain things. It's kind of a nudge. You know it's there, but you don't really know every detail of it or what it's all about. That's what I was experiencing. I wasn't sure. And my wife has really good discernment. She, when she takes spiritual gifts tests, it always comes high on discernment. And she said, uh, Randy, what's going on with you? Typical man answer, I said, nothing. <laughs> and it was so obvious that something was going on with me, but I didn't, I didn't know how to answer her question very well. And so I didn't want to give a bad answer. So I was just kind of like, ugh, I don't really know. And she said, do you feel like God's calling you to do something else? And I said, well, no, I'm supposed to be in ministry. I just don't know what my next step is or what we're supposed to do next. And I'll never forget, she said, what do you think about the idea of planning a church, starting a church from scratch? And I said, I hate that idea. I said, it's the worst idea possible. She said, why? I said, well, if you're starting a church, when I think of church, I think of people. Which if we go start a church somewhere, we won't have any people, and that's not good. And so that's not really a church without people. It'd just be me and you, and you don't want me preaching at you. I know that, right? And so, so that's not going to be any good. I said, we, don't, we wouldn't have a building because we don't have any money, so there would be no way to do a building. So last I heard, you need a building to meet and, and have a church. Um, God changed my thinking on that later on, but it, it totally was a God thing. Um, and we don't have any money. The three, like pieces of the triangle that you at least need those three to make it work, we didn't have. And I couldn't see the final end result. I couldn't possibly know the details of what would happen next. All I knew was God was messing with me. And I even told her, I said, Amy, I hate that idea so much. Don't ever bring up church planning ever again. And I was like, I'm not, I don't ever normally talk to my wife and say, never do whatever. I never do that. 
But in this instance, I don't know what it was. I was just like, I don't ever want to talk about that. I was so scared. Today in your outline, there's going to be four things. We're going to get to it here in a couple minutes. There's going to be four things. You can go ahead and pull your outlines out right now. It'd be a good idea because there's some scripture in there I want to read to you. you say, do they open the Bible here? Yes, we do. <laughs> just want to share with you something something fresh, something that's happened in my life. I believe that God gave me a story and he wants me to share that story. And by the way, every story in this room matters. Every story in this room matters. You've all come from somewhere. You all have a background. You all have an experience. And I believe God gives us those experiences so that we can share them with other people, so that we can learn lessons, strengthen each other, and be here for one another. Because here's my reality. This story of mine caused me to go through some emotions. And there's four emotions in my, my outline that I gave to you there that I want you to fill in. We're going to get to them in a minute. It's going to be about a couple minutes before I really give you the first one. Kind of tell you a little more of the story. Um, God was messing with me, and I began to pray this prayer. I don't know if you guys pray bold prayers or if you guys kind of throw some stuff out there. I began to pray with Amy, and I said, uh, God, if you'll just show me what to do, I'll do it. How many of y'all have ever prayed that prayer? God, if you'll just show me. Put them up high so people could see. Okay, cool. I prayed that prayer, and I was like, if you'll just show me what to do, then I'll do it. I'll be obedient. Like, you just have to show me. Well, my wife uh, kind of uh, weaseled me a little bit because we get done with that prayer, and she goes, Randy, can I share something with you? Sure, share anything you want with me. And she said, Randy, I don't know if you know this, but I feel like God's been showing us all sorts of stuff. And I don't think you're really paying that much close attention. Huh? <laughs> and she never comes at me like that ever. But in this scenario, she did. And so I said, how? Because I'm like, you, you throw something at me, a what? You know, the teacher tells you you can't pass math class and all of a sudden you're an A student. That was me. You know, I'm going to do my best. You can't prove me wrong. I'll prove you wrong. And she, she, she said, let me show you this. She said, I've just kind of just been taking some notes on what God's been doing in our lives. And so she pulls her laptop out and she pulls this Word document up and she begins to read. Do you remember when God did this? Do you remember when he did this? And how about this? And I mean, she just, boom, boom. And as she spoke these words, it was like the Holy Spirit of God used her in such a powerful way to speak to me that day. Oh, it was crazy. I still feel I got goosebumps telling you about it right now. Because when she said what she said, I knew she was right. But I was mad. I was mad. I guess you can go ahead and fill your first blank in there. The first emotion that you feel whenever God asks you to do something is fear. Fear. I'll give you the other side of that here in a minute. I felt a lot of fear in that moment. Because we had been talking about church planting, and I'd been praying the prayer, God, if you want me to plant a church, I'll go plant a church, but man, I'm scared. And I need you to show me abundantly clear that I need to go do this because I do not want to leave this comfortable spot to go out and into an uncomfortable scenario. Because if I have to do something like that, it's going to scare me too bad, and I don't think I can do it. Why did I feel that way? I didn't have any details. I didn't have any clue on what would happen next. There was nothing given. All it was was a feeling. And I don't go based on feelings to emotional decisions and make rash decisions just to make decisions, especially in moving cross country to go do something. There's a story in the Bible of Jacob. Jacob, it's in your notes there. It's in the book of uh, Genesis. Story about him, Genesis 32, verse 24, it says this. Then Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until the breaking of day. When he saw that he did not prevail against him, 
he touched the socket of his hip, and the socket of Jacob's hip was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, let me go for the day breaks. But he said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. Everybody say, bless me. Bless me. He said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. Verse 27, so he said to him, what is your name? He said, Jacob. And he said, your name shall no longer be Jacob, but Israel, for you have struggled with God and with men and have prevailed. As God told me that I needed to start a church, and I began to get clear perspective from, from my wife, knowing she feels it too. Because if you know my wife, she's, she was very, very, and she still is very, very close to her mother. The last thing that I would ever thought that she would do was, was leave Ohio. I didn't ever think it was in the plan. I never thought it was in the works because my thoughts are different than his thoughts. God knew that he had to work on my wife before he could even start working on me. So he showed her first that you need to go start a church. And she kept throwing that out there, throwing that out there, throwing that out there. And I was so scared. That fear came into my mind of all the reasons why I can't do it. When God asks us to do things, isn't that the right, isn't that the, the thing that happens to you? Fear comes in. First thought, first emotion that comes along, I'm not qualified. I can't do it. Nobody's ever shown me how. There are so many other people in this church, surely someone's better than me about it. They should do it. That's the first emotion that I felt was I can't do it, God. I was so nervous, man. This, this scripture I read to you about Jacob wrestling with God and saying, I'm not gonna let go of you until you bless me hit me. And I began to pray a bold prayer, and I say, God, I'll do it, but I'll only do it if you bless it. I'm only going to go start a church if you bless it. If you'll bless it, then I'll do it. Now, I don't recommend that you give contingencies to God, but I saw this story, and I thought to myself, if I'm going to do this, God, you're going to have to show up. You're going to have to be present in the place when we meet. I don't care where we meet. You just got to show up. It's got to be you. It can't be me. If it's me, it's going to be real bad. Nobody's coming. Nobody's going to have their life changed. It needs to be you showing up, using your word to impact people's heart. And I remember praying that prayer over and over and over again. But I'm hard-headed. Anybody hard-headed in the room? Some of you spouses can say you're, you're hard-headed or you can say your spouse is hard-headed. Just say Amen. Amen. <laughs> get some hard-headed people. I'm hard-headed. I'm super hard-headed, man. I'm, I'm like elite hard-headed, all right? Chief of hard-headedness right here. So even though I'm praying this prayer and even though I'm saying, God, whatever you show me to do, I'll do. If you just show me. And once you show me, I still wasn't ready. I still wasn't ready. Some of you guys are the same way. God's been speaking to you about jumping in and getting involved in doing something and you've hit the pause button because you're not ready. For a multitude of reasons. Maybe you're looking for healing. Maybe you just don't feel qualified. I don't know. But you've hit the pause button and God's been speaking to you about doing some specific thing and either you're fearful, you just don't know if you can do it, but I don't want you to forget the God factor. The God factor. You know, too many people around here, we forget about the God factor, man. The God factor. The God factor is when God shows up, anything can happen. There are no limitations to who God is. He's not bound by any certain belief. He's not bound by not having enough resources. He owns it all. The God factor. 
when you have the God factor working on your side, everything's different. So I did this next story I want to show you. I want to give you two stories today. Maybe you've never heard of these stories. These are great stories. Jacob wrestles with God. God blesses him. I prayed that prayer. Here's another thing that I did. Judges chapter 6, verse 36 and 40. There's a man named Gideon who's called. God tells him, I want you to lead an army and go into battle. And here's what happens with him. It's very quick, so you'll just have to pay attention quick. It says, so Gideon said to God, if you will save Israel by my hand, if you'll use me to save Israel, as you have said, look, I shall put a fleece of wool. In other words, I'm going to take a rag and put it on the threshing floor. If there's dew on this fleece only and not on the ground and it is dry on all the ground, then I shall know that you will save Israel by my hand, as you have said. Verse 38, and it was so. When he rose early the next morning and squeezed that rag, he wrung the dew out on the fleece, a bowl full of water. Then Gideon said to God, don't be angry with me. So, so let's just stop right here before I go to the next part, because this, this is a great story. Gideon, he thinks that God's telling him to do something. He's not sure. He's fearful. Can I really go into battle and win? This is a big army. I don't know if I'm the guy to lead the charge. He said, you're the guy to lead the charge. You go into battle. You do it. Okay, so he says, if it's you, God, telling me this, I'm going to put this rag down. Only, only that should be wet in the morning, and the ground needs to be completely clear. No dew on the ground. Dew sopping in the, the whole bowl full. God made himself abundantly clear. But we got a guy who's hard-headed, <laughs> kind of like me. So let's read the rest of this, because this is the best part. He says in verse 39 to God, Do not be angry with me, but let me speak just one more time. Let me test, I pray, just one more with this fleece. Let it be dry only on the fleece or only on the rag, but on all the ground, let there be dew. And God did so that night. It was dry only on the fleece, but there was dew on all the ground. <laughs> That's a pretty cool thing to pray to God to have him show you that. Completely dry on the rag and it's like sopping wet. You're over that rag and it's like dry, 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 right? God showed up. I prayed this prayer. I said, God, I think you're speaking. You've already shown me a couple times, but I'm hard-headed and I'm scared. I have fear. I don't know how this is going to work. And God, are you sure you want me to leave my family, my friends, my car, my house, sell everything that I have and go to another state to go start a church? Are you sure? As if God doesn't know what's going on. <laughs> are you sure? <laughs> I prayed that prayer and I was looking for those details. By the way, God never gives you any details until you agree to the call. That's huge right there. You might want to write that down, tweet that. Twitter that sucker out there. God never gives you the details before the call, before you answer the call. Before you say yes, he ain't giving you details. I've experienced it. I was, I was praying, God, just give me anything to lead you on here. And I can say, okay, that's God. God wouldn't give me anything until I said I was willing. No, I look back on that now. I say that would be faith. Faith. Faith is believing what you cannot see. See, if he would have shown me the details, I wouldn't have been able to express any faith. That's the answer to your next blank there. Next to fear, there's a little hyphen. Faith is the answer. What conquers fear? Faith. What conquers fear? Faith. What conquers fear? Faith. What conquers fear? Faith. It takes faith to conquer fear. Faith in who? Faith in Jesus. Had to believe that he's greater. He knows all. That he's not lacking anything. He's not short of knowledge. He's not scared. You know what never happens up in heaven? Jesus is never standing there up in heaven and says, oh, crap, 
God, Holy Spirit, get over here. I didn't see that one coming. <laughs> that never happens. They know what's going on. They're in control. And you know what? Even though I didn't know what was going to happen next, God knew what was going to happen next with me. He wanted to know, Randy, will you have faith to believe in what you don't know? That was scary. That was hard. But that was my answer to my fear. I put that rag down. I didn't do a rag. I'm just using that as a symbol. Okay? I tested God. And on a specific day, God showed me abundantly clear, and I broke down in tears, knowing that God had spoke so clearly. It was so clear. It wasn't like, maybe he's speaking, or, oh, we could have. No, it was like, shut the door, slam it in your face. You're definitely not going that road, and you need to go this road. Wow. God had spoke. I remember I could hardly be in church that day. People around me are used to me being bubbly, friendly, happy, smiling, a lot of energy, and that day I was the exact opposite. It wasn't that I was depressed. It was, God, I'm shocked that, that you spoke and you really want to use me to do this. It was a humbling thing because it was like, God, the only way that I can do this is if you show up. For some of you, God's trying to give you next steps and he's trying to say, this is what you need to do in your life. And you need to get to the spot where you go, you know what, I can't do it without you, God. And you know why that's important? Because if you do it, you will have a result. But you won't have a God result. You will have a result, but you won't have a God result. And I don't know about you, but I didn't want to come start a church to have my result. Because if it's my result, it's not a God thing. God doesn't change people's lives. To me, this is all about seeing lives changed. Your next blank there, I, I realized another emotion that I went through was pride. Pride. The answer to pride, right there, is submission. The answer to pride is submission. Fill that in your blank. See, I had a lot of pride. I was happy where I was, the way things were going, the way that, that I was being able to be a leader in that that realm and that response. In this, in this thing, I had to submit to God's purpose, his plan. Because if it was up to me, my pride said, I'm going to stay where I'm at. I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing. I'm going to keep doing this the way that I'm doing it, and I'm just going to keep going with it. And you know what? I had to submit to hear the voice of God. I had to be willing to not only see what he saw, but I had to be willing to do what he wanted me to do. And you know what? I'm a pastor, but let me tell you, pastors are not exempt from God's word. We talk about some issues in here that we struggle with. I remember teaching on faith to that, to that young adult class, and we would taught, taught on faith, and I taught on faith probably a hundred times. God finally gave me an opportunity to really express true faith. True faith was, get rid of it all, Randy. You don't need any of it. Go follow me. Have you ever had that happen to you? The magnitude of what I had to do was cray cray. <laughs> it was nuts, man. This verse hit me. Romans 12, 1. It says, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you do this, that you present your body as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God. I love this part. That's your reasonable service. What is the word of God telling us right here in Romans 12.1? It's saying, Jesus died on a cross for you to pay for your sins. 
He loved you so much that he bridged the gap so that you could spend an eternity with him in heaven and not an eternity without him. He died so that you could live. It's your reasonable service. It's reasonable for you to live for Christ. It's reasonable for you to live the, the vision that he has for you. It's reasonable for you to be a part of the story and a part of the plan. It's reasonable. But you have to submit. I'll never forget that day I submitted. Third one there, third emotion you go through when God asks you to do something is doubt. Isn't that true? Don't we just doubt it? We just, oh God, are you sure? We doubt God more than anybody we doubt in our lives. We doubt God. We doubt God more than anybody we doubt in our lives. We don't like to admit that, but we doubt God more than anybody we doubt in our lives. Somebody tells you something, you'll go do it. Nine times out of ten. Oh, yeah, yeah, I trust you. But when it comes to God, oh, nine times out of ten, we won't trust him. It's backwards. Backwards. The only thing you can do for doubt, the answer for doubt, is belief. That's the answer. Belief. Write it in your blank, man. Take that emotion of doubt that you had and turn it into belief. Say, you can do it because you have God on your side. And you can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. Philippians 4.13. Last one there, last emotion there is uncertain. How many of y'all don't like being uncertain? Put your hands up. You hate when you don't know what's going to happen next. Come on, put them up, put them up. I hate that. Man, I hate that. In this situation, what God was telling me, I was completely uncertain and I didn't like it. You know what I had to do? You know what the answer to that was? I had to be certain. That's the answer. Fill it in. I had to be certain. What did I have to be certain? I had to be certain that God was in control. I have a question for you, and I don't want you to answer it just to answer it. I want you to answer it because you know it. Do you know that God's in control? I mean, honestly, if you know that God's in control, then why do you worry? You know what God messed with me on through this whole experience? That worry's a sin. Worry's a sin. It's us saying we don't trust God enough to take care of what he said he would do. Worry. Why do we worry? Why do we worry when we know that God's in charge of everything? You know, the Bible tells us that he cares for the birds in the field and he gives them food to eat. And he takes care of the flowers. He, he dresses them with, with beautiful petals and they have the water that they need and the stuff that they need to keep rising back up. And it says, if he takes care of the flowers and the birds, how much more important are you as human beings than those things? We're very important to God. He wants the best for us in our lives. It's huge. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 is another verse that we went through that really taught us a lot. If you know it, say it with me. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all thy ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your path. Do not trust in your own understanding. What you know leads you to a not good spot. What you know leads you to a not good spot. Lean not on your own understanding. In all of your ways, you acknowledge him and he directs you. He directs your path. He makes it straight. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. A lamp to my feet means it's like it's pitch black here, but his word is a lamp that as it's like just a, just a, a lantern there. It shows you your direction of where you go next. It shows you how to get where you need to be. But you have to follow his word. You have to believe his word. You have to trust his word. If you don't do that, you can't even experience the life change that he offers. Bonus. <laughs> Bonus. 
You just have to fill this in somewhere. It's not on your outline. He turns chaos into peace. Hmm. Let me tell you a little bit about chaos for a second. There was a point in time three months ago where Amy and I were the only people tithing to Revolution Church. Let me tell you, let me tell you some bad stuff about Revolution Church. You ready? We haven't started yet. So since we're not a church, I can talk about the church, right? <laughs> I'll tell you some stuff about Revolution Church that you don't know. We, uh, we are missionaries, Amy and I. Um, we live off of people that, that say, I believe the vision that God has given you, and I want to help you get that thing started, and I want to help you roll with it. I want to I see God bless that church because I believe there are people that you're going to meet that are going to come in contact with you. They're going to have their life completely changed because you've got the power of God's word on your side and you're willing to go start something and preach it out of faith and boldness. There's people that believe in us and they decided that they were going to support us and send us money monthly to help us for a period of time. Maybe a year, maybe two years, maybe three years. Some may do longer. I don't know. We had all these commitments come in as missionaries. And you probably, if you've been in church, you've seen a missionary come in and present a work. That's what we did. We were a missionary. We went through and we said, this is what we're doing. Will you support us? We moved everything that we had in faith and belief and knowing that God was in it. Moved everything we had. And January 5th, we arrived here in McKinney, Texas. It's a long story how we got here, but if you want to hear, we can go to lunch, right? Um, don't want to spend everybody's time, but we got here. In January, we, we got into a little house. Um, we start situating everything, and let me tell you what happened. We thought in the mail all these people from all these different areas were going to start sending us some support. And you know what happened in January? Nobody sent us any money. Zero. Do you know how scary that was? You know, because I'm a kind of guy, and you probably are too, you're probably a type of person that tries to uh, dot all your I's and cross all your T's, right? Try to. Thought we had it. We we're going to be all right. Everything's good. We got it all. These people all committed. Everything's going to be fine. January, we got nothing. February came, and of course, we called all those people and said, hey, are you guys still in? You know, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You know what? February came, and out of all the commitments that we had that we were counting on, we had $250 come in. This is this past February. This is what we did. Scary. God, what's going on? See, because I was still holding on to some stuff. You know what I was holding on to? Myself. I was holding on to other people. Let me tell you what I mean by that. I was relying on other people to start the church that God was going to do. I wasn't relying on God. That's a bad mistake. God taught me a good lesson. March came, had a little bit more come in, but not much. Had all sorts of circumstances happen that were bad. We got down to $4 in our bank account in March. $4. It was absolutely crazy. It was wild. Scary. God showed me something huge. And if I can impart this to you without you having to go through all that, this would be a good thing, right? Full dependency on God. Full dependency on God. Whatever you're going through in your circumstance, whatever things happen in your life right now, everybody's got a different story, but whatever's happening, if you're not giving it fully over to God and saying, God, this is your problem to deal with, and I'm just along for the ride, then you're going to do it in your own power, and it's not going to work. You're going to be like I was, where 
it just keeps dwindling down, dwindling down, dwindling down. You don't know what's going to happen next. And then you get worried, you get fearful, you have all these problems. I don't want you to experience that. Give it over to God. The Bible says that we can cast all of our cares upon him because he loves us and he cares for us. What a friend. What a friend. I want you to imagine you're carrying all this weight and you got hundreds of pounds on you and it's tearing you apart. It's making you die down. You, your legs can't stand anymore and you're getting feeble and it's sensitive and it's hard and your shoulders are hurting. And this friend comes over and says, hey, give me all of it. Well, you're like, well, I'll just give you half and I'll take half and we'll bear it together. No, he didn't say that. He didn't say, I want some of it. Give me a little bit of it. Give me a piece of it. He said, I want all of it. Cast all of your care upon me because I love you and I care for you. Do we want him to have our burdens though? Or do we like bearing them? Some people like drama. Some people like all those problems. Some people like stressing. You won't know what to do if you're not stressing. Some people... But Jesus said, throw it all on me because I love you and I care for you. Obviously, things have turned around. Look around. Now, Amy says that because she was there with me. I tried to paint a picture so she could experience some of the emotions that we felt. We were terrified. Things have turned around. God showed up. And listen, I don't think God was ever gone. I think I wasn't paying attention. And I think once I paid attention, once I caught what God had for me, and I saw the vision, and I said, oh, this is what it is. Some of you guys that were here at the beginning, we changed the vision, didn't we? It, didn't, it wasn't always see what Jesus sees, do what he wants us to do. We changed that about that time. We said, oh, that's what it is. That's what God had for us. God gave us something. And let me tell you something. Since that time, such amazing stuff has happened. We've seen over 30 people give their lives to Jesus Christ and begin to follow him. It's been unreal. September 22nd, we're going to have a Join the Revolution celebration. We're going to baptize 20 plus people on that day. God showed up. It's been so cool. I got goosebumps telling you about it. The smiling faces, the people I get to meet every week. Gina said it best. We got the best seat in the house up here. This is where it's at, man, because I get to see all you guys. I get to give you high fives. I get to pump you up. We get to experience life together. I just want to do life with you. Listen, I don't have it all figured out. I just told you I'm not perfect. Over and over and over again, I told you that. But you know what I do know? When we get out of the way and we let God do his thing and we realize that this is his story. This is his story. This is the book that he's writing. Listen to me, guys. Listen, we're almost done. This is the book that he's writing. And he said, I want you, I invite you to be a part of the story. I invite you to let me be the leader. I invite you to get rid of all your stress and just let me deal with it. I invite you to be a part of the plan. I invite you to join the revolution. You know what? He invited me. I told you the story. We, we, it took a long time to get to where we are. But we took the first step. We took the first step of living the vision.